Good afternoon, friends. Welcome back to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. We will spend the next two hours on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation on news and politics, recreation, economics, business, all kinds of good stuff. Uber producer Dan Peters is here today, and you heard him at the top of the hour with the news and weather. Dan and I will be with you up until 5 o'clock. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio, streamed live on KSOO.com or on the KSOO mobile app, now available for iOS and Android. That's a new app, by the way. Got to, you, can, you can use that to stream rather than the Radio Pup app if that's what you're using. And then you can get news and such. Remember, you can always follow us along on Facebook Live, as many people are doing right now, or on our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show. We're in all those places, man. There's just gobs and gobs away to chat with us here on the Patrick Lally Show. Dan Peters is back there. He'll be, he'll be working the Twitter feed keeping you updated as to what's going on. You know, when Dan's gone, I can't tweet as much. I can't, I can't multitask that, that much. That's hard to do. Even, even when I'm here, it's hard to do to keep up on everything that's going on. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, uh, y- you know, and, and I have enough trouble, as Dan knows, uh, just keeping this baby on the air. You know what I'm saying? And so that's, that's, that's enough. I can't tweet too. But Dan's here, so he'll be tweeting, and we're trying to bring him in on the uh, try to bring him in on the old Facebook Live here in a moment. Hey, uh, I had a great weekend. I don't know about you, good people, but it was uh, it was cold and all that. And today's glorious, as we know. And I was very happy to be able to ride my bike to work today with a lot less gear on, a couple fewer layers. Got a little sloppy, but that was good. But on Saturday. Oh man, was it cold. Whew. It was like five degrees for frosty frolics this weekend on Saturday. It was getting warmer. It got warmer in the afternoon. Uh, but when I headed out for the uh, fat bike ride uh, about noon, it was still pretty chilly. And we had, but I got there and I was amazed. People just kept coming, kept coming. We met over by Tomar Park and uh, 50 people ended up showing up with their fat bikes. And we went for a, a trail ride and rode the river, rode uh, on the uh, single-track mountain bike trails. We were all over the place with that mob, mob of people. I'm going to try and get uh, some photos posted up later today on KSO.com. You might want to go see those. But as I said, we had a great time. Uh, it was so nice out. Uh, even though it was a little chilly, we really had a good time. And then I was able to do run all the errands, do all the things I needed to do all day on the bike, Got downtown to see the uh, grand opening of the uh, retail restaurant kind of space there at the 421 Jones building, which is right on Phillips Avenue off between 6th and 5th Streets. And it's a whole remodeled deal with condos and all that. But out, down on the main floor, they've uh, got kind of like this you know, open retail space. Uh, Swamp Daddy is in there, Cajun Food, uh, the new black sheep which isn't called black sheep coffee anymore it's called source and they've got fantastic coffee as usual uh but they've also got this deal where you uh basically serve yourself beer which i know it sounds dangerous because it is no it's not dangerous it's actually pretty cool you go up there you give them your credit card or whatever give them your name they give you a little wristband and then you just walk up to the taps and you put your little wristband up there and then you pour yourself a cold one 
and it charges you by the ounce. I, I thought it was fantastic. They got a lot of fine selection. And they got the game store there as well. And it was really cool. Another great addition to downtown. I also got to meet some friends over at the, uh, the new Irish place there. Uh, and it was, we had a good time. Good time downtown. Then I rode home and did everything I needed to do on the bike. I love days like that. They're just fantastic. And then got to watch some football yesterday, so that was even better. Really good weekend. It's, it is the best part of the football season right now, playoffs. Playoffs! And uh, I, I just I had a wonderful weekend. I hope you did too. And, uh, you know, we've got a great show for you planned today and a great week coming up. I, you know, we really got some good stuff this week, and, and the guests are really starting to we're – we're getting things scheduled pretty well. We're six months into this show, and we're maybe finally starting to get a rhythm. And so we're able to now get uh, all kinds of people and get our schedules put together. And I think this next couple of weeks, you're going to be really happy. There's a lot going on. The legislature starts tomorrow. Um, We had the big Mayor Mike, uh, what am I going to do next press conference that we're going to talk about a little bit later. But today we're going to have uh, in the second hour, Becky Rasmussen. She's with Call to Freedom, which is a group that fights against human trafficking. And she will and Becky will be in studio and we'll have on the phone Representative Tom Holmes of Sioux Falls. He will be they will both be with us to discuss some uh, legislation that is going to be introduced this year to fight human trafficking. That will be in the second hour. Uh, The Boone Man will be with us for Weird Friends. Oh, I should mention the Oprah speech. Okay, I'm going to talk about Oprah in a minute. But we're going to play the entire Oprah speech from the Golden Globes last night just because it'll set up our conversation. And we're, but we won't do that till the second hour, so it's going to be good. And I, I just thought it was a good speech. I didn't watch the Golden Globes. I saw it this morning, and uh, we'll have some things to say about that. Then the Boon Man will be with us after the bo- here in the bottom of the hour after 3.30 for Weird Friends. He's got a heartwarming post-holiday story direct from the Boon Compound. And Mike Cooper. The city's planning director will be with us also following Weird Friends. And I'll have a P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, Trump and Oprah and Huther. Oh, good stuff. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 317 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. We'll get a little closer to free today on the PL statement. This is the time of the day where we like to look over the news, find some things that are of interest that cause us some indigestion, some uh, consternation, or make us really happy. It can be any of those things. It can, it's not always, but it can be any of those things. Uh, and of course, there's a lot going on now that we're out of the holidays. A lot of controversy, of course, uh, with the Bannon Trump, the Trump Bannon relationship, and the Fire and Fury book. Uh, so everybody came out yesterday and was firing across the bow of Bannon, and oh man, it was it was high theater, high theater. Uh, the the publisher said any effort by Trump to suppress Fire and Fury would be flagrantly unconstitutional. We haven't seen anything like that just yet, but we might. We might. I kind of doubt it. It would be flagrantly unconstitutional. Um, so, yeah, so Michael Wolf said, he's the author, 
he uh, so Bannon had that mea culpa uh, that he issued Sunday saying Donald Jr. was a great man and all that. And then Wolf said, no, that's that's not what he said. They were trying to pawn that off as he was talking about somebody else. But that's that's not what was going on there. Not at all. According to Wolf, and he wrote the book. But, you know, I guess it depends on whether you believe him. This is all getting to be background chatter at this point. The damage is done for the Trump administration in terms of the book. And it was done by Bannon. So there are so many narcissists flowing through the White House at this point. It's difficult to find anybody who's not an awful self-serving human being out of it. Uh, then the big speech last night that trumped all the news was, uh, was Oprah. That was the headline this morning, uh, following her speech at the Golden Globes. And, uh, we are going to play that for you later because it's just interesting to hear. If you watched it, you know why that was the news this morning. But if you didn't, you're in luck because we're going to play it for you. In the wake of the speech, there were a lot of people in Hollywood and elsewhere speculating on the possibility if not coming right out and saying it, that she should run, including boyfriend Stedman. Now, there are a lot of very significant barriers to a legitimate Oprah candidacy, uh, not the least of which is that she has no political experience. And you can point to Trump victory as evidence that experience isn't necessarily a requirement in this day and age. If things keep going the way they are, the electorate may be a little gun-shy for another TV personality as president. However, it would be folly, I think, to dismiss this possibility. Oprah is Oprah, after all. There isn't anybody else like her in the popular culture. She has a great story. She's got a wealth of life experience, magnetic personality. She's got a natural empathy that draws people to her, whether it's real or not. And, you know, she's freaking rich beyond belief. So all those things taken together, I think you would have to consider her, you'd have to at least consider her uh, as a possibility. But like I said, long way to go. First of all, we just turned the clock in 2018, but it's going to start ramping up real fast in next winter after we get out of the, uh, after we get out of the uh, midterm elections and come into the next run at president. It's going to be kind of nuts. But let's get to the local news of the day. And boy, is it news. Oh my gosh. So Mayor Mike Huther held a press conference today because every day needs a press conference, doesn't it? And he announced his plans for the future. So he he scheduled this press conference last week and, and told everybody this is, this is when it's going to happen. Um, you know, because Huther's term is up and he's term limited. He's done in May, first part of May. So, you know, if he's going to do something, he's got to do it pretty quick, uh, in this cycle. Um, but the headline today is that he doesn't have any uh, uh, plans that I can tell. If he does, he's not really saying what they are. So he had the press conference today and basically said, you know, we're, I'm not going to run for anything right now. No house, no governor. Um, and his quote is, at this time, we're going to finish what we started here in Sioux Falls. We're going to finish strong until May 15th. And then we plan to take some time to tackle some additional personal and professional goals. It's interesting. But, you know, the thing you got to remember about Huther is that he changed. Uh, he was a Democrat. He was a, he was a delegate to the, national, the Democratic National Convention, um, and he switched to an independent. He said, he said during the uh, press conference today that he has no interest in the legislature or anything like that because 
or or of or Congress because they, those jobs just don't hold as much influence as he desires. Uh, so much weirdness in this for me. Uh, first of all, the, the why the, the spectacle of a press conference. Just tell a reporter, any reporter, just pick one. Call them up and say, look, just get this out there. I don't have any plans. I'm, I'm going to hang out, you know, whatever. I mean, that's basically what Dugard did. He In the interviews, he would say, you know, I just don't really have any plans. And, you know, now that he's doing his end of the end of his term interviews, he says, uh, yeah, we're going to hang out. You don't need to call a press conference for this. And then there was this quote. Our commitment to you, God willing, and yes, the people willing, we will serve you again. Sioux Falls, if you need us, we will be here for you. South Dakota, if you are willing to dream bigger, we will be here for you. Well, now I feel better. I think he, I think he thinks he's Batman. You gotta, we got to get ourselves a mic signal. Somebody turn on the mic signal. We need help. We need Mike. And then there was this. Uh, he's talking about the how he's not going to endorse anybody for mayor. And he says, there's plenty of candidates out there they want, that want to take us back. They don't want to take any risks, he said. They prefer to criticize or antagonize or agitate or find the negative in the days that God has given them. I want nothing to do with these folks, and I would encourage the people of Sioux Falls to do the same. Well, Say what you will about the eight people who say they want to be the next mayor. They, I have not found them to be antagonistic or negative. Uh, I found them all to be genuine in their intentions, hopeful about the future, and enthusiastic about the city. I, that, that to me was one of the – and he's kind of said these things before, and it's weird to me. It's weird when you look at the people who are running, particularly the top half. You know, they're all good people. All eight of them, they're all good people. I translate this statement to, they're not as good as me. The reason the Triple M isn't running for another office like governor of Congress is that he can't win. He's done, and he has been for a while. Leaving the Democratic Party means he gave up any hope of really thinking he could do it. He's not a Republican. He can't come back as a Republican. He, can't, he won't be able to sell that like a credit card to the unwitting South Dakotans in the Republican Party. You know, last week I was railing against the paternalism of House Speaker Mark Mickelson's plan to ban, bail out, uh, or to plan to ban out-of-state money in ballot initiatives. Well, this is paternalism of well, as well, and it's kind of a, I would say, a more distorted variety. Huther exudes kind of the personality paternalism. I think he honestly believes these things. It's that's not it. He honestly believes that we won't be able to make it without him or we'll be better we'll be better off with him leading us in some capacity. It's bizarre behavior to me and it didn't really reveal itself in a public way until recently. Um, but it's something that reporters and many in city hall experienced early on. And you know what? I I I've been harsh. I've been hard on the mayor since day 1. There's no question about that. But I have nothing personal against the guy, despite what he may think. I wish him only the best in his future endeavors. I, I hope he writes a great book. That's what he said he might do. I look forward to reading his book. But I don't think his 
temperament is suited for public life. He doesn't like to be challenged or questioned, and he doesn't deal with it very well when he is. That doesn't make him a bad person. probably makes him more human. It just suggests that there are other ways to apply his talents. So cheers, Mike, and good luck. Have fun out there. Agree or disagree with me, you can email me, patrick at ksoo.com, or follow us on Twitter and communicate with us that way, or on the big Facebook Live as well. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we'll be talking with the Boon Man for Weird Friends. That's after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. That's all coming up on Information 1000 KSOO. Three thirty-four on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And we welcome into the studio via telephone, somewhere in the wilds, just north of Sioux Falls, the Boone Man. Boone Man, thanks for taking a few minutes with us today. Uh, it's always a pleasure, Patrick. So how? You know, we haven't talked for a while. No, it, it, you know, the holidays were just uh, it was a time off, enjoying family and holiday festivities. Yeah, and so you're out of the holidays now. You've you've gotten all the tinsel down from uh, Boone Compound out there. You've got yeah. the, the lights off the, the trees. You've you know, you know, the barbed wire is not lit anymore. Um, what are you doing? How do you how are you getting by? Well, you know, you, uh, part of that. Uh, wrapping up the holidays is the cleanup part and that's um you know you got to get rid of stuff and and you just can't throw everything away and you also have to make that kind of you know part of the ritual and part of the enjoyment of the season yeah. um you know as an example I had uh, a, a, a gingerbread train you know you can make a gingerbread house and gingerbread uh well different arts and crafts with the with the gingerbread and the frosting and the gumdrops and whatnot um, you know, by the time the holidays are over, that you know it's just too hard and crusty to feed to the birds. Yeah, no good for that. And it no. seems a shame to just throw it away. Throw it away. So, it's a work of uh, art. You know, I disposed of it the country way <laughs> um, with the uh, with a twelve gauge. <laughs> and, uh, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This yeah. was a this was a uh, gingerbread train. Train. You know, it was an engine and a and a car and some trees and. You know, it's made out of gingerbread and frosting and gumdrops and M&Ms and, and such. Uh, kind of a nice winter gingerbread holiday scene. It sounds like somebody put a lot of work into that. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know, my teenage daughter and her young boyfriend um, kind of, you know, attention to detail wasn't really there. That wasn't the purpose of it? Well, yeah, I was, but they just, you know, you know how kids, they don't care. <laughs> they just don't, they, they got no work ethic. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, People are just so, no damn good. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so it wasn't all, it wasn't like it was a family heirloom. No, okay. Um, but uh, so, you know, took it out back. And I think that uh, I, I would recommend if you're going to do something like that, the number five lead shot is the way to go. Um <laughs> It's really the best combination of the you know the BB size and the yeah. number of BBs and the stopping power that yeah. you get and the lead just so much you know I know it's probably not uh, 
You, you can't do it on public ground, but on private ground you can. You, that was you my question. I didn't, shot. I didn't think you could still use the lead shot. Yeah, you can, just not on public land. Oh, I got it. Yeah, so you've got to be on private land. So yeah. if you've got some piece of uh, holiday, you know, pastry, what have you. Oh, and it's just not for the holidays. <laughs> it's really good for, for disposing of, of um, just about anything. In fact, I was just looking at the weather forecast because we're really, I think, approaching a prime time for my burn pile. Um, oh, yeah. We have, a nice, we have a nice coating of snow. Yeah. But we've had this nice weather here these last couple days and for the next couple. So that snow and the wind that has cleared the snow from the, the, the trees and other <laughs> various and sundry items in my burn pile, you know, <laughs> furniture, yeah. whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, so that is all exposed now and dried with the sun and the wind. Ah, so it'll burn. It will. And what I can do then, I have an old tube TV. I think I have one old tube TV left in the house. Yeah. And How I can big put is it? that on top of the burn pile. <laughs> Uh, and then once again, I think the shotgun is the way to go with that one as well. Put that on the yeah. burn pile, blast away at that. And when you do that, cleanup is a snap. <laughs> when, I, when I douse the burn pile with the diesel and lay a match to it, the fire does all the hard work. Uh, most of the stuff in that television will eventually burn. Yeah, toxically, I might add. Um, well, that's why you got to do that at night. <laughs> uh, so the the uh, uh, the train. Yeah. So, yeah. how from from what distance did you take did you take aim on the oh, train? Uh, I, I'd say it's about twenty about twenty five feet or so. But I did I, I I did capture the moment. It was kind of a Kodak moment. Captured it on video. So really, yeah. So That's I can uh, I can get that to you if you'd like to to witness it because it it was it was taped it was filmed in slow motion. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, you can still see, you can see the wad. Is it so? It really hadn't spread out yet, but it probably—I would say—the pattern was about as big as a, um, maybe a, a, a saucer, you know, like kind of yeah. cup and saucer. Yeah, yeah, it's about that big, and because it really the the the, the train just really was a puff of smoke. Uh, as it turns out, integrated. As it turns out, I actually had uh, while we were talking, I had. Oh, yeah. uh, your your young the, the mini boon as we like to call him the boonlet. I had the boonlet who was a cameraman on oh, this deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send yeah. it to send it to me, and I'm actually watching it right now. Uh, yeah, there's nothing left of that. It just is a poof. It's, it's completely gone. It, it is just disintegrated. One shot. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it wasn't moving. I, I was hoping you'd hit it. <laughs> not, not a tough shot by any means. Oh. Now, no, if you've like, you know, been swinging the train from a rope or something, well, no, but you know that. I mean, it does. It uh, you know it, that's kind of the thing with something like that. The thrill, it's here and gone. Boof. You know the thing that I, I, I one thing I don't have out at the ranch that I, I over the years I've gone back and forth on getting just for the the longevity of it mm-hmm. is um, is having a shooting car out there. <laughs> you know, a car that you just shoot at. Um, uh, you know, yeah, it kind of you know. It kind of junks up the yard, though. Well, but you put it way out back, you know, kind of in, in there, and then you know you, you've got you know, you got to pick something with a lot of windows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, panel van? No, not the panel well, van, like the passenger van. Yeah, that or you know, an older car like with an opera window, you mm. know, 
the mid-70s, there were a lot of cars with the opera window, like the Pinto wagon, mm-hmm. and that opera window. You can find the, one of those, easy. The mid-70s uh, Dodge Charger had that three-panel opera window in it. Those were nice. Uh, yeah, you know, and so the I mean, shooting car really, that really gives you the most versatility. <laughs> um, from the choice of weapons uh, and... Uh, targets, because yeah. I mean, you got you got high-powered rifles, you got shotguns, handguns, BB guns, slingshots, archery, all of that. It's just going to absorb it. It does, and you got so many different targets. You get windows, doors, sunroofs, mirrors, headlights, tires. See, the problem though is getting rid of it. It yeah. just doesn't. It won't burn in the pile. No, that's what I was going to say. That and then you know, if you shoot well. the tires, you, how, how do you tow it to the scrapyard? It's a quandary. It is. Uh, you know, you got to do. I shoot the tires out, or do I? Make it easier to tow. You're going to uh, have to have a planning session for that one. It is. The shooting car, it's just tough. T- tough to decide whether you, you put that out there or not. No, I, I, I'm all for it. So yeah. let's... I'm all for it at somebody else's place. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a good uh, idea. No, you know, TVs, gingerbread trains, I'll shoot them all day long. <laughs> but, so that might be, it'll depend on when, when, in the forecast, the snow is supposed to come Wednesday night. Yeah. Wednesday night. Yeah. Rain on but, Wednesday at some point, like oh really wintry okay. mix. So no, tomorrow just, may be your shot. That's maybe the time. Yeah, shoot the TV, then uh, burn it Tuesday night. Uh, well, yeah, let me know. Yeah. Send me a send me a, a text or something so I can witness the fire. Yeah, oh, and we'll have to we'll have to video that as well, and yeah. the TV shot too. That'll have to uh, be great. Be yeah, that'll be great. I got the uh, I as we were sitting here, I got the video up on uh, the Patrick Lally Show Twitter feed. So. Oh, we, yeah. P. Lally Show. It's up. It's live. I'll have to check that there out on the big screen because yeah. only see. Well, of course, you know what do I need to watch it for? I lived it. You lived it, right? You're reliving it and you're replaying it in your brain each night before you drift off. <laughs> yeah, something soothing. Poor, poor gingerbread train didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, Boom man, uh, do you have a little joke I, for us today I, or not? I was just all afternoon. I was thinking, and you know what I've come up with is a long list of jokes that we'll be able to use. Once President Trump gets rid of the FCC. <laughs> so somewhere in the next seven years, four to three to seven years, that will occur. <laughs> there we go. The uh, rim shot, anyway. Uh, Boone Man, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Goodbye, Patrick. Coming up after the break, we're going to have Mike Cooper in. He is the city planning director. We're going to talk about building permits. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And it's 346 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And, uh, you know, at the end of the year, we always like to look back and see how construction went in the great city of Sioux Falls because it's an indicator. It's a, it's a harbinger of things to come, and it's a, it's a barometer of economic activity. And so who else to talk about those things than Mr. Mike Cooper, Director of Planning for the city of Sioux Falls. That's your right title, isn't it, Mike? Yep, Director of Planning and Building Services. Good afternoon to you. Uh, you have now been in the job for quite a while. How long well, is I, it? Yeah, I've been with the uh, the city. It'll be 32 years this July, but I've been in my current position since 2005. Holy buckets. Um, so construction in Sioux Falls, we know we're growing, we're thriving. It's a great place to live. Uh, but it's this year was better than any other year in history. Well, it's kind of interesting to see what those trends are for our city. And 
it's a it's an amazing story that now we've hit five years in a row, and actually we've done six years of growth uh, since the economic recession, and when you look at the numbers for for Sioux Falls from 2017, um, for me it's interesting to kind of break it out by the different types of construction activity, whether it's residential or commercial or industrial or, or whatever it might be, because I think that's also, you know, part of the story that we're not just growing in one particular area of the economy. Right. So the number was, it's almost uh, a quarter billion dollars, or I'm sorry, three quarters of a billion dollars, 739 yes. million. That's, that's a, an enormous number. And it's a 5% increase over 2016. Those are, that's impressive growth. It really is. It, it's very impressive for the community, for the region, and it just shows what what level of investment people are making into the community, whether it's brand new construction or adding and remodeling projects. And uh, so, yeah, it really it bodes very well for our, I'll, I'll say, our entire region. So when you break it down, as you said, by type, where... Uh, where are we, what's leading that? Is there any surprises? You said it's not one sector, but were yep. there any surprises in there for you? What's it telling us? Well, let me start with, with, with the residential part of it because that's, that's an interesting story. You know, we, we look at single-family, townhomes, apartments under that category of residential, and everybody has been commenting for, what, the last three, four years, wow, I can't believe all these apartments going up everywhere you look. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the multifamily has been kind of leading the trend. But, up in, but what we saw last year is that the single-family townhomes were at almost a 50-50 split with the, with the apartment units. So that is starting to tell us that going into 2018, we might see the number of new apartments um, maybe not grow at the rate that they have been the last two or three years, and maybe the demand for more single-family and townhome will continue to, to lead um, the market for the next year or two. So the residential, it's the, it was the second highest year that we've ever had for the number of new total housing permits at just over 2,400 new housing units, and that's apartments, single-family, multifamily. So That's a lot. Yeah, so that that will also help us determine when we uh, come up with our new population estimate in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. Yeah, because 2,400 units represents a lot more than 2,400 people. Yeah, yeah. So, so residential is one part of the story. The second part would be what I call manufacturing. Two of our largest permits for 2017 were the new windshield a refrigerated warehouse that's going up in the northwest part of the city at Foundation Park. Uh, that was actually the largest overall permit at just under $33 million. Really? And we're already hearing some rumblings that they may be looking at an expansion project in the near future. So that's a pretty big deal. And then the second manufacturing was the new Gage Brothers plant that's currently under construction out on the northeast side of the city out by east of I-229 and south of Benson Road. And this will replace their existing plant over on West 12th Street. 
and that was just over a $15 million building permit. So those are two big manufacturing projects. Um, and the, Avera, the Avera Hospital is just getting going, the new yeah, the next yeah. the next category would be what I call medical. And, of course, the big one that just got started was the Avera on Louise with their new campus. And that was a $25.5 million permit so far just to get footings and foundation and the beginning of a shell. <laughs> and so this current year, we'll see a, a significant uh, increase in that number as they continue to work on the completion of the of that new campus. Uh, the other big medical project that we permitted last year was the new Sanford Medical Center on the west side along the Ellis Road, and that was just over a $12 million building permit. So those are the, the, the three, or the, the big ones for medical. And then I'll just throw one more in because I know everybody gets excited about municipal, right? Yeah. How much is the city investing? Well, the big project for the city last year was the new administration building that's right. just about under completion uh, over on Dakota Avenue across from the downtown library. So so you've got medical, you've got manufacturing, you've got multifamily, single family, a lot of variety in terms of those bigger projects that we saw last year. How much of this is at this point sort of baked in because of our natural growth? Um, even yeah. through the recession, we were still growing. We were population I mean, we wise. Never, we never have stopped growing. Yeah, we just have increased the rate. But you know, it's interesting that we continue to see, in terms of population, that two to three percent, which we've always said is very manageable growth rate for the city and for the region. Um, so we're not seeing, and even now we're not seeing these huge spikes, even though our building permit valuation has gone up over 5%, but it's still a, a pretty manageable rate of, of growth and, and, and development overall. Um, and that's just a good economic indicator for the city. Yeah, it really is. Um, employment continues to uh, be strong. I think what we'll see for the numbers that we get from the state labor department is that Sioux Falls, like other areas of the country, maybe are seeing a softening in the retail employment numbers. Right. Just because of online sales and some closures and things like that, and maybe more part-time seasonal retail jobs. But you look at the other professional services, whether it's medical, uh, manufacturing, construction, those are all you know, seeing an increase from, from the year-over-year numbers. Yeah. So people are coming here to work, uh, to build a place to live, to build a place to, you know, entertain. It's kind of a, a domino effect that we continue to see within our local economy. They're great numbers. $739.3 million in building permits issued by the city of Sioux Falls last year. It's uh, pretty impressive. Mike Cooper, he is the Director of Planning and Building Services for the City of Sioux Falls. Mike, thanks for filling us in. You bet, and I'm hoping to have another announcement at the end of this year for maybe another good year, so I, I think it will be. Outstanding. So, very good visiting with you, Patrick. Thanks Talk to a you lot later, sir. Okay, take care. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I moved into this room, if you could call it that, a week ago, I never do 
what I'm supposed to do. Hardly even know. Jason Isbell, Alabama Pines there. Uh, can, don't forget, coming up January 27th, that's a Saturday. It's a big, big event. It's Sioux Empire on tap at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. Sample over 100 craft beers from more than 60 breweries, two general admission sessions to choose from, or a VIP session. There will be live music, games, and food available for purchase. Get your ticket now, SiouxEmpireOnTap.com. And remember, that's sold out last year, so you want to get in early. Coming up in the second hour of the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to hear from Oprah. And we're going to talk with Becky Rasmussen for uh, from Call to Freedom and Tom Holmes, state representative from Sioux Falls, about human trafficking. Stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four nineteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And I'm happy to have in the studio with me today Becky Rasmussen. She is the executive director of the Call to Freedom, which is an organization, nonprofit organization that fights against human trafficking in our community and in the region. Becky, um, thank you very much for coming in today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. So. Uh, just to let listeners know, we are going to be talking a little bit later with um, uh, uh, Tom Holmes. He's a state representative from Sioux Falls about some legislation that you folks are going to be sponsoring. Uh, but first, I want to talk just a little bit about Call to Freedom. Um, I, I'm not familiar with this group uh, until just recently, which lends me to believe that you haven't been around that long. Tell us how long, tell us about the group a little bit. Sure. There was some work on the anti-human trafficking front that was done prior to um, Call to Freedom becoming a 501c3, but it actually became a 501c3 organization in January of 2016. So this month we're celebrating our two years um, offering services to those that have been victimized by human trafficking. And as we've seen over the course of the last two years, um, our, our, um, our promotion are actually our services have expanded because the needs are, are so great. And I always tell people I, I never expected the needs to be as great as we have um, experienced in the last two years. I think, that, you know, the phrase human trafficking is one that we never thought would be applied to um, what happens in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm, you know, we've always known that there's a, a sex trade, right? That that, that industry exists everywhere, but we didn't call it human trafficking. Uh, why do we call it human trafficking today? Um, and that's a great question because a lot of people think prostitution or sex, commercial sex, is just that. But what you're going to find out as you get into and really identify that human trafficking means they're either forced fraud or coerced into those actions. And so that's one thing I like to say is people are engaging in that activity of a prostitute. Majority of the times they are purchasing a human trafficking victim. And what that means is that person does not have control. Um, they'll use uh, forms of manipulation. So they may not have a place to live. And so they'll offer them a home. And in return of that home, they will say, you have to um, sell your, your body for sex. And I need the money for it for you to live here. So what they do is traffickers will identify vulnerabilities of these victims. And once they identify that vulnerability, they'll use that against them to keep them in that controlled situation. Do you think that the use of the phrase, and I, I don't mean to dwell on this, sure. has changed the public's perception of what the, the sex trade is and human trafficking is? 
we were sort of able to dismiss it in our brains before as not a good thing. But, you know, it doesn't affect me. Um, Do you think just the the change in the in the semantics of the debate has changed the debate? Yeah, I think people now look at it differently. I would agree with that. The more that we educate, uh, most people think, well, don't they choose that? Doesn't a woman or a young boy choose to be in that lifestyle? And my my comeback is always, hey, did ever any little eight-year-old girl wake up one day and say, I dream of being a prostitute? And and I say there, somewhere along the way, there could have been some trauma. There could have been something sexually that has happened to them or they're forced into this type of lifestyle. The bottom line is it's a $150 billion industry between sex and labor trafficking. When there is that kind of money attached to that kind of activity, they're going to find ways to meet the demand. And as this um, field grows and as it expands and there's more money and there's more demand for it, you're going to see more um, uh, individuals pulling into human trafficking. We're talking with Becky Rasmussen. She's the executive director of Call to Freedom, uh, which is an anti-human trafficking organization here in Sioux Falls. What what geographic area do you cover? How does this work? Sure. So we primarily South Dakota, but what we do is we work with other states as well. So when we identify um, a survivor um, in this area or a victim in this area, we first assess their safety. Is it safe to keep them here? And I can't tell you how many women we've worked with that we identify it's not safe to keep them here. And so we will work with other states in order to get them um, to programs in other states that give give that safety, but also gives them the ability to rehab their life, Mm -hmm. to be able to get their life back and get restored. Um, And we also take referrals at some points in time from other states in the same situation. So we've worked with Iowa, we work with Minnesota, and we kind of share resources among the the surrounding states just because we want to make sure that these individuals um, are safe. Um, We've worked as far as Tennessee to um, get a girl to safety in the right program. So you really have, you're an interventionist organization. You're not just uh, public uh, education. No, oh no. We actually work on the front lines. We do a lot of education in that, but we offer supportive services to those that have been victimized by sex trafficking primarily. Do you have safe houses essentially, or are you just finding uh, uh, places for people to live that are Away from their situation. Sure. We actually do both. We have an outreach office that works with placement. So the first thing that we do when we identify someone is we do an assessment intake. Where have you been? What services you've received? Are you even safe? Do we keep you in this area? And based on that, we determine what the next steps are for that individual. Um, We do have a transitional housing unit that we have here in um, South Dakota. And we house um, mothers who have been sex trafficked and some of their children to keep the families together if it's a if it's a right fit. Um, but first of all, if the safety is is an issue in this area, we will work with other states. So um, we do a little bit of everything, and I've learned that every case is very different. The needs of a trafficking victim are so so demanding, from medical to mental health to counseling to having no place to live, no family support. They really come out, and and if you can think of somebody who has been stripped of everything, that would identify a sex trafficking victim. Mm-hmm. We're going to come right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, and we will be bringing in Tom Holmes. He's a state representative from Sioux Falls who is working on some legislation, and we're going to talk about what this state can do to fight human trafficking. That's all coming up next on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 434 on The Patrick Lally Show, 
Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing our conversation with Becky Rasmussen. She is the Executive Director of Call to Freedom. And we are bringing into the conversation right now Representative Tom Holmes, who is a Republican from Sioux Falls. And he is uh, out in Pierre um, on getting ready for the first day of session. Mr. Holmes, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Uh, first of all, um, are you okay out there? You, you, you've got your, uh, your sort of transitioning back into the non-reality world of legislature. Are you all right? <laughs> yes, I'm entering the bubble once again. Oh, outstanding. So, Mr. Holmes, um, we have been chatting here with Becky about the uh, uh, some legislation that will be coming forth uh, for, to uh, fight against uh, human trafficking. And you, as I understand it, uh, are one of the folks who will be uh, carrying that bill out in pier. I'm wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about, I believe there's two bills, tell us just a little bit about the legislation that you're trying to get passed. Yeah, there are two pieces of legislation this year, and of course one of them is being introduced in the state Senate side by Senator Colbeck, and that bill would expunge uh, the criminal records of a minor who's been trafficked. What we found is that it's very difficult for those individuals who have been forced into trafficking, and they oftentimes get forced into committing crimes as well, that once they do manage to escape their traffickers, it's hard for them to get a decent job. And if they can't get a decent job, they obviously have difficulty getting an apartment and so on and so forth. And so we're doing all we can to try and help them start over, as it were, to try and establish a, a decent life for themselves. And the bill I'm sponsoring on the House side um, would target uh, the Johns. Uh, human trafficking, like any other business that makes a great deal of money, has a supply and demand aspect to it. And we're going after the demand and there are several states that have similar laws. Uh, Nebraska is one of them, and it's, um, our bill is modeled after the Nebraska law. And it would allow uh, the Johns to be uh, arrested and convicted one time for a misdemeanor. The second time, the second offense, the uh, charge would be a felony, which would uh, bring about more jail time and a higher penalty. Now, of course, all this comes following last year's legislation, which uh, uh, allowed minors more leeway uh, in um, targeting their traffickers so that they could escape their traffickers. And this legislation we have this year follows after that. Uh, And I think Becky may be able to address this too. This issue of the records, I think, is uh, at first maybe difficult for people to get past um, because you're expunging somebody's record. It's a criminal record. But it seems like if you have any chance of getting a uh, young man or young woman out of the human traffic trade, the sex trade, that has to happen. They won't be able to make a living. Yeah. We work with um, a lot of women that have felonies, which prevent them from even um, getting a job, getting an apartment. Um, they're set up to for failure before they even have a chance to get started. And what we want to make sure is, like uh, State Representative Tom Holmes said, a lot of them were part being forced into that activity. And so since they were forced into that activity, we as a community have a right to give them a fresh start and to allow them to be successful moving forward. And we actually have worked with several women that um, one young girl who just called me today and she said, Becky, Becky, uh, she's a volunteer. She's now a volunteer firefighter. 
And in order for her to become an EMT, she has to have her record expunged or she can't become an EMT. She saved a young a, a, um, gentleman's life this weekend. Wow. And actually two of the people that she was working with looked at her and said, this is your call. And she has to get her record expunged in order for her to move into what she believes is, you know, a start on her life, a new beginning. And so we've watched um, so many young women that want to have a fresh start and a new beginning, and they're set up for failure before they can even start. Uh, Representative Holmes, um, this might this can't be a simple thing, though, to uh, expunge somebody's criminal record. Uh, is it is it a complicated process? I wouldn't think so. You're dealing with a minor here, and they've been forced into a situation. Many of them have been traumatized initially. I mean, these oftentimes these kids come from abusive situations themselves, and so they're very vulnerable and susceptible. And for them to be intimidated into this is an easy thing to understand. And right there, just from a uh, humanitarian aspect, uh, you'd have to say, you know what, we need to do all we can to help these young people get back on their feet. And if we don't, it would be very easy for them to fall back into trafficking or to get into a life of crime because they've got to find a way to eat. So what we do is we, we try and say, all right, what happened before was not really your fault. You weren't responsible for that. Yet we want you to take responsibility once you get out on your own. And so it gives them a second chance. And if I might also say, uh, it has um, been a, really an experience for me to be involved with this issue. I first saw an invitation on the Internet a couple of years ago to attend a meeting, and I, I knew nothing about human trafficking. But I went to my first call to Freedom Meeting, and I've been going ever since. And in that time period, I've discovered... The, the real banality, the evil that trafficking has for the young victims that it makes its own. And it, that is so uh, distressing to me. I just, I realize it's something that's across our state, and that as a state representative, I'm in a position to do something about it. At the same time, I have seen people like Becky Rasmussen and those who work with her take these kids and give them some hope. They have such compassion and love for these children that it really touches you, and you realize that we all have that, that ability to be that way that reminds you of what's inside each and every one of us. So even though the issue itself is an evil one, there is reason for hope and certainly uh, reason for inspiration. Um, do we have any idea how many uh, people this, uh, these two pieces, well, the, the, the original piece of legislation you were talking about in the Senate, the expunging the records, do you have any idea how many people this would affect? Um, not right at present. Becky might have some figures on that, but the, the world of uh, human trafficking is a pretty shadowy one, and it's difficult sometimes to get uh, very accurate figures because of that. It's, it's something that people don't talk about. They kind of push it underneath the rug, so um, it's not an easy one to research. It certainly can't cost us a bunch of money to do this. That can't be an issue, is it? To expunge the record? No. It might even save us money, actually. Yeah. So what, what what do you, as you look forward, do you see any hurdles in the legislature in terms of getting these two pieces of legislation passed? Um, one possible hurdle would be the mindset that people who are doing this should be treated as prostitutes. And because of that, they're doing an immoral, illegal activity and they should be prosecuted as such. But I think after last year's legislation, we cleared that hurdle pretty well 
we're talking about people under the age of 18 who, as I said before, are vulnerable and susceptible. They're not prostituting themselves. They are forced into this situation. We still may have to confront some of that, but I think a lot of that was dealt with last year. Uh, Becky or uh, Representative Holmes, is there anything that people can do or should do if they support your efforts in this legislation? Um, does going to the Cracker Barrels or sh- uh, sending emails, does that, does that help? I'll take my shot at it first. Becky can give you a, a very good answer to that. But as a legislator, um, people can go to the Cracker Barrels, yes. They should also try and attend a call to freedom meetings that would learn a great deal. But when this legislation comes out, uh, they could email their state representatives, their state senators, and just say, we know about this, we support you doing such and such. Uh, Let them know that um, they're aware of this and it's an important issue for them. Um, We, uh, Representative Holmes, uh, thank you very much for filling us in on this piece, these two pieces of legislation. We will be watching and uh, hopefully as the session uh, gets further in and you're still able to, uh, <laughs> if you survive the session, as we say, uh, we'll, we'll touch down with you again and get a, an update. Well, sure. I would be pleased to help any way I can. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. We're going to come right back and talk more with Becky Rasmussen from the Call to Freedom organization, which fights against human trafficking. That's coming up after the messages on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 446 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we have in the studio Becky Rasmussen, who is the executive director of Call to Freedom, which is a local nonprofit that works to fight against human trafficking. And we've just been talking about some legislation that will be coming forth in the legislature. Legislation in the legislature makes sense, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, But, you know, uh, Becky, I'm interested. You've been with this group now for two years. Since yes. since you went became a nonprofit, um, how did you how did you get into this? Why are you the executive director of the Call to Freedom? Yeah, um, in 2015, I really felt a stirring to get involved to combat human trafficking. I didn't know what that looked like, and um, got connected with a group, started learning more about it, and in um, August of 2015, we did an outreach in Sturgis, South Dakota. And when I was in Sturgis, um, what we would do is just approach those that we thought were vulnerable. And um, the first night I was there, I just felt really led to uh, approach a young lady, and she looked like she could be in that position, um, but she definitely looked very vulnerable. And that night, I just I walked up to her and I said, "Hi, my name is Becky." And she said, "Hi, my name is Marissa." And I just began to connect with her. And by the end of the conversation, she was crying. And her last words to me were, "You have no idea what kind of day I've had. You have no idea." And then she was gone. The next day, we connected with a group that's called Free International, and what they do is they do um, search and rescue. And so, what the, how they started is they would go and um, to large events, Super Bowl, PGA, um, Sturgis, this was their first time in Sturgis, and they would accumulate uh, missing kits and from a four to five county radius around that event. And as they began doing missing kids, they started to evaluate that the human trafficking is happening with missing kids. Actually, the stat is that one in three kids that are missing or runaways fall into human trafficking situations within 48 hours. 
long story short, he hands me this book and he says, um, he just starts telling me about what they do and something rose up in me and said, look for Marissa. And as I'm flipping through this book, the book was 117 girls aged 12 to 18. And as I'm flipping through the book, um, Lowell realized that I was looking for something. He said, Becky, it's not by alphabetical order, it's by nationality. And I turned and there was Marissa's picture. Mm. And I began to ask the questions. I saw her, she's here. Um, they notified their group and long story short, um, Marissa had been found in October of 2014. May 31st of 2015, Marissa went missing again. It began me asking the questions, how do you identify a potential human trafficking victim and how do you lose her? How do you get her out and how does she go back in? And they began to tell me about all the gaps in services that weren't there to support victims that are coming out of human trafficking, primarily sex trafficking. And um, that there were only 298 beds at that time across the state to help women. Um, on an average, 3,287 individuals globally are pulled into human trafficking daily. Every 30 seconds, an individual is pulled into a human trafficking situation. And what we're finding is that they were being re-victimized because they were still vulnerable. So even though they might have gotten out of a, a trafficking situation, if their needs were not being met, there was always a trafficker or somebody who had wrong intentions that was there to, to intervene and be that so-called hero, but actually they wanted to to traffic them. And so that's how Call to Freedom kind of got birth of what we're doing today is really to be that organization that fills in the gaps when survivors and victims are identified. How do we take them from vulnerability to having stability? And um, that's what we've done over the last two years. Becky Rasmussen, she's executive director of Call to Freedom, which fights against human trafficking in South Dakota. So you were talking about big events and we have you know, we're South Dakota, we don't have that much, but we have two things that are big events, I think, that, that fall under that umbrella. One, Sturgis, you talked about that, which now is, you know, about a month-long process of yeah. ramping up and then ramping down. But also uh, the pheasant hunting, and specifically the opener and around the opener. Um, are Do those two things make us, uh, give us a higher prevalence or... Uh, occurrence of uh, human trafficking than we would have otherwise? Anytime you have large gatherings of people, there's always a demand. And traffickers know when those gatherings are happening and they will find product to meet that demand. And so um, trafficking is very hard to identify in events because it's integrated into hotels, integrated into resorts, it's integrated into the community. So it's not at that eye exposure where you can see it happening or you can identify it, but it's, it's hidden underneath. And so we do know that it's happened in both of those. Obviously, you've seen the sting operations in Sturgis and their arrests, but also in hunting season, we've worked with survivors who have been trafficked out of hunting season. So from that, we know that it is a reality happening on both of those events. Do you think that hunting season in particular, I mean, we've always known that Sturgis uh, in the old days and still to, the, to d today is kind of a wheels off situation, uh, but we never thought of hunting season as an opportunity for sex traffickers. Have some of the scales fallen off the eyes of South Dakotans in terms of what it means to bring in all those people and what hunting this, not that hunting is bad or hunting pheasant season is bad, but there is this darker side to it. Yeah. I think um, for the community out of sight, out of mind, 
if you don't see it, um, you don't know it's happening or you don't give it a second thought. And I think that's where groups like us come and start talking about that is happening and how to identify the warning signs and how to report it is so important as a community to get educated on what it looks like. And so um, it does happen in our community. I've worked now, um, we've been two years um, as of January of 2016, two years um, this month. And we've worked with, um, we just got two new referrals this week, so 102 individuals. And those include women, youth, and families as well. So it's uh, January is Sex Trafficking Awareness Month, right? Yep. It's National Human Trafficking Awareness Month uh, this month. And so um, we just want to uh, communicate to the community that um, this does happening and is happening in our communities. The other thing I'd like to communicate is we have the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, right? which means transit trafficking. Um, actually, Thune just signed in, the president just signed in today, the no human trafficking on the roads and combating human trafficking commercial uh, vehicles act today which is transporting so anytime there's big events they transport which means we have 29 and 90 going through our community which means there's probably a lot of our smaller communities that as they're transporting to a large event like uh, the Super Bowl um, that they're going through our communities and we're not identifying it so it's really important for us as an organization to be talking about it let people know the warning signs what it looks like and that we as a community have the ability to report this and we as a community have the ability to say if something doesn't look right, you know, um, a couple weeks ago you may have saw on the news the brother and the sister that was trafficking a young girl. The reason why they were able to arrest those two is because somebody had, um, had uh, reported to Crime Stoppers that there was a weird activity happening in their neighborhood. And because they reported to Crime Stoppers, law enforcement was already working on some of those details for that case, and it was the connection they needed to make that arrest. And so I always engage the community, Crime Stoppers, any emergency, 911, or you can identify to the National Human Trafficking Hotline to report anything that you think is suspicious. And what's that number? Oh, yes. I knew you were going to ask me. Uh, it is a 188 number. Hold on one sec. 188-373-7880. 373-7880. Yes. It's an 888 number. And we'll pop that up on our Twitter feed here uh, at P. Lally Show. Um in, in the very few seconds here that we have left, you have some events coming up, yes, right? Yes, yes, please. Whip uh, through those. I will. January 11th, which is this Thursday, we have a night where we educate, we pray, um, and really lift up to the community. We would like to welcome you that. It's at 645 this Thursday at Sioux Falls First. Um, it's open to the community. We'll have other anti-human trafficking groups there that you can visit with and see what work they're doing on the front lines as well. And then we do have self-defense classes, one on January 13th and one on January January 20th from 2 to 4, um, and those are at Church of the Gate. Just go to our Facebook page or our website, calledofreedom.org, and, we and can, you can get uh, signed up. Calledofreedom.org, and we'll try and get that up on our on our Twitter feed as well. Becky Rasmussen, she's Executive Director of Call to Freedom. Thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. We, uh, we'll be right back after this short message. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. I want to thank everybody who is here with us today. It was a really fun time, and remind you that coming up January nineteen and twenty, it's fun ski out of Great Bear. All kinds of good stuff going on there. Bring a fat bike race. That's what I'm doing. 
Punsky.org for more information. Coming up on the show tomorrow, Dusty Johnson will be here. He's a candidate for Congress, the common man, and Casey Abbott. We're going to talk about the big fight summit coming up on Thursday. That's the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.